Welcome everybody to this flippin' podcast. This is your host, Tommy Skinner. We are coming to you for episode 109. Ah, yes, as Haggis Pinball has just dropped a bomb on the pinball world over the last couple days with their announcement of uh, essentially Fathom 2.0 revisited, uh, coming to us from down under out of Australia. It is quite shocking really impressed how well it was kept under wraps especially considering the large number of people involved with the project kudos to them for uh, keeping this so well hidden from the frequently gossipy network of pinball uh social media honestly through pinside and facebook groups and instagram and everything nowadays uh, i really didn't hear any rumors of this until haggis made their announcement you know kind of the day before as the tease and then later that night kind of leaked as to what it was most likely going to be i know initial rumors said jaws uh somebody with some know-how contacted me very quickly saying who actually has the jaws license and that it is taken by somebody right now so they knew it wasn't going to be jaws and uh, that kind of left the window open for it to be Fathom Revisited. And as many of you who have been listening for years know, uh, Fathom is my top classic game. Um, it's one that I have had restored, or original restored by my friend Dane. It's been sitting in my living room after its initial debut at Pinball at the Zoo a couple years ago. Shoot, maybe three years ago now. Um, and then it's been out one other time for a tournament at my location, and since then it has not moved, and nor will it. Um, but regardless, I was just really exciting for them to come out with this title, and we're going to talk a bit about that as well as some of the other rumors that are out there. But for those of you unfamiliar with Fathom, which is quite possible as there's not a ton of them around and not a ton of them out for public location play for sure. Uh, the game's originally released in 81. It's one of the members of that class of 81 ballets that includes things like Centaur, 8-Ball Deluxe, Flash Gordon. Uh, just eight amazing games came out that year from Bally. All very beautiful, unique art packages, unique shots, different layouts. But its initial run was only 3,500 units. Um, talking to some operators from back in that time period. Uh, Fathom did not do great on location. Basically, you're looking at a 
deep sea theme. If you were to just look at it, you clearly see the ocean and some mermaids. But in the early 80s, you got to imagine this is just after Star Wars is coming out and everything is sci-fi. You know, that's what you're looking for. Uh, Sci-fi and outer space, aliens, those type of themes. It's also at the rise of the video game evolution going into arcades. So it, it just was not good timing for a theme like Fathom. Um, now as far as the art package goes, it's always been widely considered as an absolutely beautiful machine. And <clears throat> as that rumor start to broke, break that maybe Fathom 2.0 was what was coming from Haggis, that was the initial concern from several people is like, well, you know, Fathom is a great playing game without a doubt, but a huge part of the appeal of Fathom is the visual presentation. So if you're going to remake that and change something, that's going to hurt the game. And as soon as they showed the photos, you quickly saw that they did not change anything. Uh, it looks like Fathom. The only difference that I really see is instead of it saying Bally, it says Haggis, which is a little weird. It does look strange. Um, they've copied the old Bally font to make it kind of blend in, but that's the, the only like immediately visual thing that I find very strange looking at the game. Um, from the prototypes, the, the photos they've released, it's of the Mermaid Edition. There are two editions. We will run through the breakdown of the differences between them. But the Mermaid Edition um, has uh, what looks like a classic Bally apron, but instead of instruction cards, there are two small, I believe they said they're three and a half inch LCD screens, where you would usually have your instruction and pricing cards. Uh, the flippers have not, uh, now been changed to a translucent blue on the prototype versus the traditional white flippers, uh, which most people who restore a, a Fathom put in. I do believe that's what's in my Fathom machine, uh, as I'm thinking about it. And, and then just a small thing, and again, this is only a prototype. I have noticed that the font is different on the one, two, three drop targets. Very, I'm not even complaining, just pointing it out. Um, so I'm sure that's something that can be changed or will be changed, or maybe that's part of something that's supposed to stand out as different versus the original. It appears to have blue star post and clear Titan style uh, rubbers on the game. Can't make out what is on the drop targets themselves, but seeing as how original Bally drop targets are available for Fathoms, they typically have a mermaid's tail, and they are foil stamped on there in both green and blue on the left side, and then on the inline drop targets on your right and your back orbit shot, uh, they have the values of your bonus multiplier, your 3x, 4x, and 5x stamped on them. So I imagine those are going to be the same. The spinner features the same yellow anglerfish, and the pop, pop bumper camps appear to have the foil-stamped octopus uh, located on them as well. So as far as just looking at the game, it looks like a bally. Um, the coin door is, I'm guessing, an original creation. It appears to be a hybrid of a modern coin door with a visual appearance of a classic Bally to an extent. Um, anyone who's restored a classic Bally and gone through a coin door knows that they were like the most over-engineered piece of entertainment uh, coin op and equipment ever and I'd really be happy to see that simplified on this product because it's just so unnecessary the way those coin doors were put together back then that a much simpler uh, modern system with just a couple buttons to go into the menu system would be amazing. Uh, back glass looks good. Displays are digital up there. Um, solid state scoring, numeric 
it appears. Although you can see, at least in their photos of the full machine, that there does appear to have the functionality to put um, words in them. So alphanumeric, as I, in other photos it says play one, play two, play three, play four. And it's hard to tell if that this is like photoshopped imagery or if that's actual photograph of the displays being lit up. Uh, another unique function that's going to be in their Mermaid Edition for those displays is that the displays are actually color coordinated. They're RGB, which I don't think's ever been done before. Never seen that. Um, most of the games I've been restoring, I put in white displays, and then I can use a colored film over the display if I want to change its appearance. Um, I did that on my Stargazer. I put in yellow yellow gel filters, so my displays on Stargazer appear to be yellow, but they're actually white. As far as the company itself, the CEO is Damian Harton, the game developer is Greg Selby, creative director is Scott Seedsman, music director Casey Dean, mechanical engineering Lachlan Dowd, game designer for the 2.0 rules is Martin Robbins, uh, original designer is Ward Pemberton with artwork from Greg Ferris, and again, they made 3,500 of those. Now as far as pricing go goes, that's where we get to our two editions. You have your classic is going to be seventy three hundred U.S. dollars, so you are basically paying a stern premium price. Plus, you're going to have to deal with shipping um, from Australia, so probably closer to LE pricing to get yourself a Fathom. Um, that is expensive, but it is also the most expensive classic ballet game there is out there. Uh, so that I'm assuming is factored in. Um, that topic has come up as to why the company would choose to produce this game first, and I think it's very much like Medieval Madness uh, remakes in that it's just flat out Medieval Madness was the most expensive game that was being sold before the remakes. Um, if you were in the hobby at that point in time, before that remake was announced, Project Medieval Madnesses were going for 10k plus. Um, restored ones were 16 to 20,000. So when the remake came out, initially announced at $8,000, it was a steal. It was a bargain. You couldn't find a Medieval Madness for that. Now, as Chicago Gaming has moved on to remake Monster Bash and um, Attack from Mars, the prices come down because the reality is those games were never selling for as high prices as Medieval Madness were. And I think that's something that Haggis is going to have to look at as they have already announced they plan to do an entire series of these classic ballet games. Um, I really struggle to see anyone paying these prices for any of the other ballet games that are out there, except for maybe Centaur, even with revised rules and the modern upgrades, etc. I just don't think they go or sell for that much, so it's going to be harder to justify those prices. But... That's a topic for future episodes. Let's let's see how they handle this fathom first. But um, again, price-wise, you're looking at the seventy-three sixty before shipping for the classic edition, and then they also have the mermaid edition, which is going to be your limited one. That is limited to a production run of two hundred and fifty, and. With that, the big change is it includes a 2.0 rule set, a mode-based addition to the game that as you go up and play, you can choose and select uh, which version of the game you would like to play, much like Bride of Pinmot 2.0 or any of the other rewrites that have existed out there for other titles. So that is $8,900 US dollars. Um, 
Now you're looking at Sternelli pricing. That one does include shipping to Planetary Pinball in the U.S. as they are partnered with Haggis on this project, which does help give it a lot more credibility um, than just a random startup getting this with Planetary backing them, Rick with licensing, and Planetary having a lot of the original designs and manuals, etc., uh, documentation on these machines. So anyway, once it gets to Planetary, then you're responsible for getting it shipped to your address here within the U.S. So there is still some additional costs on top of that. Uh, but again, the huge difference is the fact that you are now going to have the 2.0 rule set. Um, it has some, here's what I'm going to run down through their feature matrix real quick. And again, this information is coming from both Haggis, uh, Planetary, and then uh, as well as this week in pinball they did a great job as far as like coordinating the launch literally you had a teaser one day the announcement the next day and simultaneously podcasts were released websites were updated you could order etc a uh, very good unveil from haggis i was very impressed with that but uh on the classic edition there is a 3.5 display for service menu that is mounted on the cabinet i believe they said near the coin door full rgb leds inserts and general illumination um What's confusing about that is it says original colors on the classic edition. Most of the inserts on Fathom are green and blue, some white, a couple yellow, and a couple red. So I'm assuming that just means that those LEDs have that capability, but they are going to be running the original colors. And the same thing for the full RGB uh, seven segment score displays. That is also on the feature matrix, but with an asterisk next to it that says original colors on the classic edition, meaning the displays would just be orange. Uh, the Classic will have brushed stainless steel trim, brushed stainless steel components, a single speaker, and the original 1981 Fathom rule set. When you jump up to the Mermaid Edition, you get those RGB displays and RGB inserts. You get the original rule set as well as the 2.0 rule set. And then here's where your sort of LE upgrades really come. Uh, on top of the rule set is it's got mirror stainless steel trim, mirrored playfield components, a custom five speaker sound system, a reflecto cab metallic reflective luminescent cabinet art, dual apron integrated 6.8 inch, inch LCD screen, sorry, not 3.5, uh, and ambient below cabinet lighting. So those are pretty big deal. Now, as far as the layout goes, if you're familiar with Fathom, it's 15 drop targets. You have three bank, three bank, uh, three bank, and a six bank. The inlines are smart drop targets that can spot be spotted by completing the left uh, drop targets in the six bank. There's three green, three blue. You knock down three blue, it spots you one of the smart targets in the blue line. It's really, really smart. Um, there is an accessory. There will be a topper with ambient above cabinet lighting to be announced in the future. There's also a specific comic. The original was sort of promoted, had some promotional material of a comic telling a story of what was going on in the game. And there's a new comic to talk about what is being revisited with the revisited version, the 2.0 code. And it appears to be story and mode based daughter of the original missing diver is returning to the lagoon where her father went missing and is going to investigate and that's where you're going to get into doing some battles with mermaids etc that's i mean that's a quick down and dirty summary um to order the mermaid edition you had to join clan haggis um which it's not a big deal, but it does sound weird when you are from the United States and you're getting an email that says join our clan just because clan can have a pretty negative connotation over here in the States. I'm assuming it's not necessarily that way in Australia. 
Uh, but that was, uh, I think it's relatively like $75, $80 fee to join. You get some swag from them. They ship that over. But that was kind of like the Spooky Fan Club. It's going to give you early access to early order that Mermaid Edition. And they were going to run that sale for 48 hours, which uh, will be ending today. Today is, by the way, April 28th. Um, so you had, uh, it might be over now. It might have been at noon. And it's, it's a little bit afternoon here. So I don't know. At some point today, that option ends. And then at that point, if there were any Mermaid Edition left, they were going to be opened up for sale to the public. And uh, on top of that, the Classic Edition is not limited in any capacity and can be ordered essentially whenever. I don't know how many of those you're going to sell at that price because even at that price, like for my full-blown restored, like new everything except for my cabinet was repainted, but it's the original cabinet. My back glass was like a perfect original, so I didn't have to replace that. But new playfield plastics, all the parts, replated, etc. Um, I mean, quite honestly, I ended up right around $6,000 into that, and mine is a over-the-top restoration with... Oh, Sorry, I'm recording from school today, and we have a teacher work day, and there goes the bell. But uh, and my game has over, I think, $1,300 in chrome on it. Um, on top of that, I mean, I chromed everything. Legs, side armor, lockdown bar, coin door, the vent, parts inside of the cabinet. Um, I mean, it is a over-the-top restoration of that game, and I still end up relatively what is that almost a thousand dollars cheaper than buying this one from australia now granted that has a ton of work into it um and it's not all brand new parts necessarily i mean it is so it it's basically it's just supply and demand it's just a, a really difficult game to find so i think that is one of the parts that's really going to help them as far as selling those out, a lot of people rather just have that convenience of being able to purchase the game versus having to spend the time hunting and searching for it and hoping you can find one. And then when you do find it, figuring out how much work it is still going to take, that sort of thing. I'm just trying to pull up Fathom real quick via Pinside. They have an estimated price of 5600 on there. And if you look closer, it says estimated value of 5180 to 6020 So they're like 1300 over the estimated price. Um, but going into the forum, there was a Fathom that sold 44 days ago. Um, 5,500 it looks like. And there was another one five months ago, two four months ago. Another one five months ago. Another one six months ago, six months ago. So, I mean, there's it's not like it's insanely rare. I mean, this last six months, there's seven or eight sales. But it's also hard to say, like, who already had some inside information that this was coming and they were dumping their originals. Um, like, we've seen that happen with other remakes in the past. I know Medieval Madness is definitely that way. But, again, it's not a game that's impossible to find, but it does take some work, take some effort on a, a buyer's part to find this. So... Regardless of that, um, hats off to Haggis. I think this is a, a genius idea. Um, my collection has largely converted, for at least my, especially my personal collection at home, to purely classic Bally's and Stearns. And one of the reasons, as I've explained for that in the past, is the reality that the, the likelihood of these games being remade uh, was low. And now that's obviously been changed. 
but just the fact that the supply of them had to be lower the older these things are the more of them that have been destroyed over time played to death stuck in unfortunate storage unit fires or floods etc um so they were just harder and harder to come by versus buying these new stern games where stern runs a game for years so if you really want it that's great nothing wrong with that stern makes some awesome games but you'll be able to buy one for a while Whereas if I could put my money that I have now into these classics games that are not going to be as available in the future, um, it was just kind of the direction I wanted to go with my collection to the point of where I've even spent some time, and we'll talk about it, building some games. So um, that's where we're at. Uh, let us know you know, what you guys think of this. Uh, what other games you think might be done as they expect. They said there's going to be five games in the series. I think Centaur is a no-brainer. Um, Centaur and Fathom are kind of the... Uh, Piece de la Resistance of anyone's collection. Uh, it's they stand out. It's the games that everyone wants, best art packages, etc. But then after that, it gets very murky on what might be remade because the values just aren't there for what those two games sell for in comparison to all the other classic ballys. So that'll be very interesting. But um, congratulations, hats off to Haggis on the huge announcement. I hope you guys sell a ton of them. Hope you make them. Hope they're real solid for those of you that go out and buy them. I am uh, excited to see these in the, the near future. Uh, they're planning to move to a new facility in July, uh, and at that point they'll be building roughly 50 a month. Uh, so if you look at the, the Mermaid Edition, that's already putting you at five to six months of production, so you're already into you know, holiday season in December if you're at the, the low end of those numbers with games coming in. Um, and that's if they produce those first, which I assume they would, but who knows. So anyway, that is uh, something that's fun and exciting to keep our eyes on. So far this year, there hasn't been a ton of pinball news. I haven't recorded it in almost three months, and a big part of that reason was because there's just not much going on as far as... Sorry for the bell again. As far as for the uh, industry news, announcements, etc. As far as my collection, we've had quite a few changes, so we'll kind of move off of fathom revisited and move into that direction and the biggest thing is i would say uh i finally got to spend more time on the twippy winning i think it was twippy winning at least uh i got confused with all the different pinball award shows this year but uh, game of the year has largely gone to guns and roses from jersey jack pinball i uh was the proud uh purchaser and owner of a standard edition the low end of that title it was the first jersey jack game that i have purchased i was very excited for the title because one i like guns and roses and uh, two jersey jack was finally making something that was more affordable and that made me that was my number one factor was the price factor in determining my purchase for that game so i did order i think day after the announcement or day of the announcement initial price was 66 50 i think or 60 no 6750 which was the cheapest that jersey jack has released a game at um my location has a it also doubles as a music venue and they play heavy metal hard rock music is a title that should fit in really well that was my thought and then let's say what was it right around new year's jersey jack upped their price by a thousand dollars luckily i was locked in where i'd gotten mine and then the game got delivered late february so yeah i definitely have not recorded since it arrived because i looked at my last release was early february um 
it arrived while I was coaching at the state finals towards the end of February and it came back, got it all set up that weekend and it did really well at my location for like two weeks and then uh, it did not get a lot of people coming back and playing it. I ended up keeping the game for a total of about six weeks. Um, now, one thing I will say, like, game was built really well. I had absolutely no problems on my unit uh, specifically. Like, not a thing wrong at all. It was plug and play, put the balls in there, turn it on. It was good to go from day one. That part was really nice. Um, I had a launch party. I reached out to Jersey Jack Pinball and asked if they would be willing to send us some stuff to give away as giveaways at the launch party. And they absolutely did that, um, including sending an upper play field from one of the LE models, um, some shirts, masks, and sanitizer, which was great to have for the players that were coming to play in the event. Uh, really awesome support from Jersey Jack as far as you know wanting to get attention drawn to their machine and having it out there. I streamed the game several times. I know I backed up some of those streams to YouTube uh, and Twitch. It's this flipping podcast on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, they're out there. You can check those out. Um, but the reality was, like, I personally did not enjoy playing the game. I did not find it very fun. I did not think that the shots were particularly enjoyable. Um, the music was great because it's Guns N' Roses. The sound effects, I was not a fan of at all. Um, and there's a big difference because you are not necessarily always in a song when playing that. And the rest of it is sound effects. And I didn't think the sound effects really fit well with the band or with the song. Mm. Mostly I just found some of them, like I am sensitive as a human, like just me personally, to certain sounds. And some of that sounds on the game really irritated me. To where even when I was going down and playing it, trying to learn the rule set, uh, I would get kind of annoyed after maybe two, three games. And then in the last week that I had it there... uh, it literally only earned seven dollars um which again my location is not super busy it's not like a crazy huge location you know i think we have 25 machines total um but seven dollars uh for an entire week on a new game was it's not normal it's not good um it was out earned by my em prospector and prospector only cost a quarter to play uh, that week, it sits. A, it was sitting a couple games down from uh, Hot Wheels from American Pinball, and American Pinball earned uh, a little over ten times that amount that week. So it was that was incredibly disheartening uh, because I did spend a lot of money on this machine that I at least was thinking that it would draw in new players and people that are at my location would like it and play it. But the reality was like. It's got that typical Jersey Jack, very complex and deep rule set to the point where most of my more casual players couldn't understand what they were doing. Therefore, they didn't really enjoy themselves and they didn't come back and play the game again. Um, amazing light show. Absolutely. I thought the art looked pretty good on it. And again, the music and like the sound quality as far as the music goes with the speakers and whatnot, top notch. Sound effects, I did not care for. And, and just on a personal note, the rule set, I really didn't care for. Um... I'm sure that that game, the code is going to be more developed and more balanced. But for me right now, in any sort of competitive setting, it was nothing but walk up, lock your balls, and start November rain. Um, if you get some patches on the way there, awesome. And I understand how the patch system works. I did mess with the patch system a bit. Uh, but the game 
just felt very lopsided to me. And just most importantly, like this is a, a fun hobby where we can each like whatever we want. And I just did not have fun playing the game. It just, it was not a fun machine for me to play. Uh, unfortunately, I wish it was, but it wasn't. So uh, it quickly left, I think like three days after we did the launch party, after I had to sit there and stream that game and listen to it for the six or seven hours it took us to do the launch party, I was like really, really over it and wanted it gone. So I posted it for sale and it, it sold very quickly. New owners are happy. It's on another location within our state. So it's still being shared uh, with the public and uh, hopefully they get more enjoyment out of it than I did. And hopefully it's more popular up there, but it just, it did not fit well at my location, which I was again, quite surprised by. Uh, but personally, just not a game that I have any desire to ever own again. Um, probably play one when I see it on location from time to time. But I I was very disappointed in it and just did not find it fun. That was my biggest thing. As far as quality goes, build quality and everything, no problems at all. Uh, that was all great. Good job, Jersey Jack. I know you guys have kind of tightened the screws on things, both figuratively and in reality over the years. Um, but it was playing really well for us. It just was not something that I enjoyed. I know there's a ton of people out there who really do enjoy it, and that's great. That's what's so fun about pinball is that they get those options. So that came and went from my location. It is now gone uh, in its place. I did pick up a uh, Data East Jurassic Park just last week. That is a game that I've always wanted, and yet for some reason I never actually owned. And uh, I was very fortunate and being contacted by a guy I knew and he's getting ready to move and he wanted to know if I wanted it and I I did since I had sold Guns N' Roses figured I might as well go get this fill in that space and uh, I didn't know the full story on the game until I got there and he told me but this particular guy uh, actually used to work at Microsoft and they had a group there that played pinball because they had some pinball machines in a break room and apparently this was the Jurassic Park that was there and when he was leaving the company and moving back uh, to the Midwest, they allowed him to purchase it, and from the looks of it, this thing like quite possibly could have been in their office the entire time. Uh, I have no idea. He's not that old that he was there that long ago, but the, it's a, the cleanest Daddy East Jurassic Park I've ever seen. Uh, the subway was even clean. The T-Rex works. The cabinet has no scuffs on it, like insanely clean. Has original topper, no ball drop wear from the ramps to the in lanes. Uh, I just can't believe it. So that's a game that I've always wanted. I, we've talked about it on the show how excited I was when the remake came because I never had the original. And right now uh, my bar has my location in the bar has both Jurassic Parks there. So that has been really cool. Um, something different for my players to play for a while. And it keeps us at our full load of 25 machines in there since we were down to 24 for a couple weeks. That's been cool seeing people get to play that. I'm trying to think what else we've changed out since there. Hot Wheels is continuing to earn really well. Players, uh, like, it's kind of the exact opposite of what I experienced with Guns N' Roses. Um, I was literally in there getting the Jurassic Park set up the other night, and one of my players, he doesn't play in any of our leagues and tournaments, but he comes down a couple nights a week and plays a few games of pinball because he's in some bowling leagues. He was playing on Hot Wheels, which is like three games down from where I was setting up Jurassic Park, and he was literally like, Tommy, I just have fun every time I play this machine. Like, why is this one so much fun? 
and I just had to be like, I agree, man. I enjoy the shots on the game, the sounds, the rules. It's got this great choreography. Everything's synced really well to hitting the shots and getting the light show and the sound effects. And it's understandable. Like, the players can figure out what it is that they're doing on that machine. Again, I strongly encourage anyone who gets a chance to go out and see a Hot Wheels pinball to actually play it and enjoy it. Hopefully you have as much fun as my players have been. But that game has continued to be my top earner i think every week that it's been there except for one week guns and i think guns and roses the second week it passed it because i had like a monthly tournament that month week and people were there came from all over to play it so guns and roses got to work out that day but that was pretty much it um at home since we last recorded i i, I can't remember exactly where i was at but since then i have finished building my stargazer i don't think i've completely talked about that um, I know I started it last summer while we were in quarantine. I've definitely mentioned it, but I finally pulled the playfield back out of the cabinet. It's been in my garage all winter, which was dumb of me to leave it out in the unweather controlled garage all winter, but it was out there and I pulled it in and I ended up going back switch through switch on the wiring diagram and I had wired six switches backwards which explained a ton of my um, switch matrix issues that I was having when I did try to play a game on it. So I fixed those six, I put it back in, and now it was working. Switches were registering correctly, but I still had like two rows out, I think it was. So I went and I started testing for continuity, and I found I had a break in like a yellow-red wire row of continuity and a white-blue row. And I just found where my brakes were and I ran some jumper wires. And that was uh, much more from me just not understanding how the wiring was supposed to be installed with my new harness than it was from any mistakes in the actual harnessing uh, done by Third Coast Pinball. But I, I fixed those and I was able to plug it in. And uh, next thing you knew, I was playing Stargazer. And that is amazing because Stargazer is another one of those very rare titles that you don't see very often in pinball. And I'm by no means the first. I think there have probably been like, I don't know, five to ten maybe uh, Stargazers that have been built at this point. Uh, originally, there was 869 of those produced from roughly August to November of 1980. So a very low production run. Um, Stern Electronics at this point was doing everything in lower production because they were quickly dying as a business. But I think Stargazer is without a doubt the most beautiful of their games from an art package standpoint. And uh, like I said, I wish I had a better exact number on how many people have remade them, but I know of at least three others for sure with mine being the fourth, and I'm assuming there's a few more out there. Um, but anyway, let's say it's in the 870s to 880, something like that now that could ever have existed of Stargazer. Imagine how many are left. It's out there, and it plays, and it works. Um I had to kind of like dial in my spinners a little bit. I'm running a modified rule set on that game. Uh, but it's absolutely amazing to currently go into my kitchen because that's still where it's at. Sorry, Alyssa. I said it would be there for a week, and it's been there for like two months. Um, and I can <laughs> play uh, a Stargazer uh, that I put together with my own hands, and it was far cheaper. And that was going to bring me to kind of a, a, a tying note and up with both the remake of fathom and so many people building machines right now thanks to the abundance of um 
reproduction parts and then honestly just the sharing of information via Pinside that makes these builds seem less daunting because I, I am by no means a super great tech or anything uh, but right now if you look at Pinside the average value of Stargazer is seven thousand dollars um, one just sold for seven thousand in Virginia this past month it's in honestly really good shape to begin with but it does come with a reproduction play field as well if the person were to want to do that there's one that was just posted for sale in the last couple days I know for sure um, I think they're also asking yeah seven thousand out of North Carolina it's a rougher original example but it still looks really nice um, I mean it's an expensive game so now Stern modern day Stern is to look at the fact that you know you have two in the last month that are going for seven grand that's essentially the price of a Stern premium people are out there like me gathering parts to assemble these machines themselves for their collection why would Stern not just start running these as classic remakes uh, another Stargazer from a year ago for six thousand sold and that one is again looking at it it's a nice original but not restored cabinets got some bumps and scrapes playfield's got a little bit of wear nothing crazy so if I'm Stern why am I not taking these old layouts and remaking them I imagine with the success of what seems like Fathom is having in just its first couple days that Stern is going to absolutely see this and they are going to start cranking out some of their old remakes as I know uh, Stargazer and uh, Quicksilver are the two most common games to be remade I do know other people gathering parts to remake uh, Sea Witches and I know that there's a couple out there that are attempting to do cheetahs um, as cheetah playfields play fields just became available via CPR so that is another thing that I think we will have going on in the coming year it's certainly a really exciting time to be involved with the pinball hobby uh, as we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel of the pandemic year that has been uh, 2020 and now into 2021 uh, it's very exciting to see locations reopening from uh, around the country in different states more and more people being offered the opportunity to be vaccinated i'm very fortunate that i was vaccinated uh almost almost two months ago now i got the johnson johnson the one dose and done um, which I also appreciated since I hate getting shots was very excited to see that and as a result of that I did go and participate in a very large tournament up in Wisconsin at District 82 pinball a couple weekends ago so thank you to Eric for hosting that tournament uh, all the players who attended it was it was great I think we had over 80 players uh, in both the morning classics tournament and the afternoon target match play tournament it was really nice to get back out and have some regular competition. Um, we've been running tournaments at North End Pub, my location, since last October. We've been doing our monthly four strikes, and we've also held two seasons of league, and we are just starting. Uh, we're three weeks into our third season of league since the return of pinball last October. So uh, location pinball has still been going on here for me. I recognize, sorry for the bell again. I recognize that I'm fortunate in that I, I'm in a state where we have been able to remain open um, with safety precautions in place, obviously, but it's better than nothing. 
so that part has been very nice um, I've tried to continue to make additions of new things at my location for players who want to come out and enjoy pinball at the current time and the current atmosphere and it's been very fun and exciting time period to still do that and see people uh, get to sort of return to a little bit of normalcy by coming and participating in a tournament or a league or a free pinball Wednesday night, whatever it is that we have going on down there. That's been very cool. Um, I have not taken my Stargazer down there. I don't know if I will or not, <laughs> honestly, but I have that as an option. Um, I did want to give a shout out to Coos. Uh, pinball backglass the remaker or manufacturer whatever you want to call it um, I did get a couple more back glasses from him he did a sorry for the bell again he did a custom one for me for Voltan Escapes Cosmic Doom so now I've got my back glass playfield and plastics ready to go for that that is going to be my next restore once I finish up the meteor that is currently sitting in my garage and is really close to being done until I kind of decided to do a little extra work to the playfield and I might have made a mistake or two. So we're going to try and fix that before we talk about it too in depth so we can also give our solutions to the problems we created for ourselves. But yeah, there should be a meteor going on location soon as well. I'm in the process of assembling some Wolfpack displays. Oops, sorry about that. Some Wolfpack displays to go into the game. Um, two of my displays were completely dead, and uh, I got those replaced last night. So my game is now fully has displays. I've already rebuilt all the drop target mechs, pop bumper mechs. I got to get those reinstalled on the playfield. And uh, honestly, it's it's not very far away. Like I said, minus the uh, playfield sort of uh, artwork issues I created myself, I'll get that fixed. It'll be okay. It's only pinball. So, uh, with that news out of the way, remake discussion kind of out of the way. Where are kind of you? Obviously, talk about some of the rumors that are out there. Um, Haggis just appears to be on the very forefront of exciting announcements as we head into what might be one of the busiest months in pinball ever but let's say haggis is at the forefront we are sorely delayed and behind uh awaiting to hear what is coming from cgc as the next official remake although word is pretty strong out there that it is cactus canyon um i've been hearing that for a very long period of time uh, CGC is also working on some original stuff, so I don't know when we'll see that. Spooky Pinball. Strong rumors. We're going for several days for Scooby-Doo. I don't think that is correct. Um, I don't know what their next title is. Uh, personally, what I'd love to see is Friday the 13th. I don't know if that's what it is, but if it is, it's going to cost me money, and that's unfortunate. I'll have to sell something, but that's okay. Very excited for that. Um, as always, still remain a huge Spooky fan. Um, I don't think there is a better company out there for customer service still. There's nobody I'd rather give my money to for a game than Spooky Pinball because I know who it is I'm supporting uh, and how much I like them as humans. Uh, I know he, Charlie, uh, Emery just did a podcast this week with, I believe, Martin and, um, oh man. I apologize, but name is escaping me in the moment. I know who you are. Jeff, thank you, Jeff Teolis. There it is. Yes, with Martin and Jeff, and it was great to hear Charlie talking to them about the new game and how it was really a team effort on the design. Go give their show a listen if you want to hear more about that. It's very intriguing, and uh, whatever the title is, I'm excited for Spooky to get that announced as they wrap up production here on Rick and Morty, which I think was a resounding success for them. So that should be coming here in the near future. Uh, Stern. 
strong rumors were going that it was going to be either Godzilla or Back to the Future, and uh, now it's heavily pointing towards The Mandalorian. Um, credit to Stern for keeping things under wraps a lot better than they have in the past. I do believe it is actually at this point The Mandalorian. Sounds pretty concrete. Brian Eddy on design. This will be his follow-up to Stranger Things. Hearing Upper Playfield on the LE and Premium models. Immediately, if you think of Brian Eddy, you start to think of The Shadow. So that all kind of makes sense that the Upper Playfield would be a similar design. I have no concrete evidence of that whatsoever. Um, I don't know if anybody out there does at this point in time. But with it being the rumors that it is The Mandalorian, May 4th, May the 4th, Star Wars Day, is just about a week away. So I would not be surprised if we were to get a teaser this Friday with an unveil on May 4th. May the 4th, may the force be with you. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me if we got the teaser then and then the unveil a week later or something like that. But Stern has not announced anything since Led Zeppelin, which I did get to travel and play an LE version of the Led Zeppelin machine at Pinball at Perry in Attica, Indiana. Another great location you should check out if you have time. Um, still had a lot of fun playing it. Reminds me very much of Aerosmith, a game I'm not like dying to own, but whenever I see one, I'm definitely going to play it because I really enjoy it. Had fun. Shots are awesome. Game flows really well. Steve Ritchie, way to go on that one, man. I'm not usually a huge fan of your work, but that one I thoroughly enjoyed. Hopefully it sells uh, well because I think it's uh, going to be one of those underrated titles here in a few years. Uh, seems to have a really cool rule set on it, and the shots on the machine just felt fun, unlike the shots on Guns N' Roses, which to me didn't feel fun. So, way to go, Steve. Thank you for that game. Looking forward to getting to spend some more time on that one in the near future. But that is the rumor uh, going around for Stern at the moment. I don't know much else on there. Um, I know I love at the end of episodes of Mandalorian where they show like the storyboards and the, the sketch artworks, the art design proposals and stuff. Um, the sounds on that show are great. Music, the, the music, the sound effects. It's just a very well done show. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I know we've talked about that on the show before. Um, but I really have enjoyed The Mandalorian. So I, I think that could convert well. Um, things I'm nervous about for Stern and fans of the show is a feeling if it is coming out with season two having only ended a few months ago. Um, I feel like it would be like Stranger Things where it's only going to include content from the first season, which would be sorely disappointing. Um, I, I would assume to most fans of the show and Star Wars people. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, if that is the upcoming release, I think it'll do well. Um, as many people have said, you put Baby Yoda on anything and it's going to sell like hotcakes. So Mandalorian could be coming in the near future here. So that covers us with Spooky, covers us with Stern, uh, Jersey Jack, still heavily rumored to have Toy Story in the pipeline, a uh, game that's been in talks of being ready forever. I, I know Guns N' Roses was ready for quite a while and was delayed due to the pandemic, which they said just gave them more time to code it, which makes me think that whatever else would be coming next should be coming up sooner rather than later, maybe possibly not a full year between Jersey Jack titles for once. That would be pretty impressive. So uh, keep your you know your eyes open and your ears open and see what's coming from them here in the near future. That one's rumored to be Pat Lawler's title. Could be exciting. Uh, I do know uh, what American Pinball uh, has in the pipeline. 
um, and because I actually know, I don't want to talk about it, but it is. A, I'll just say it's a title I'm excited for. I think it looks really uh, fun and unique. So looking forward to that. And uh, who else do we have making pinball now? Oh, Deep Root. Uh, Deep Root continues to make uh, jack shit. Absolutely nothing. Uh, Deep Root is failing left and right, but pinball is easy, so we don't have too much to worry about. Um, congrats to them. Hope those of you who have money uh, with Deep Root have put it in some sort of a safe way that you could get money back pending their uh, their future failure, which is who knows when, any day now. Uh, unfortunate, but it just does not, things do not look good for Deep Root uh, at this point in time based on, you know, everything that they keep putting out there. That is complete and utter bullshit. So uh, good luck, Deep Root. <laughs> Let's see. Ah, covers all those. Trying to think what else there's been. It's been such a busy busy time with all these things being delayed that it seems like things have been kind of put off uh oh alien um alien pinball from pinball brothers is the other one uh finally this week we got some unveiling videos from a gentleman in france they're on Pinside. they're on youtube can't remember his name but i really did appreciate him putting those out there because that is a game that i've previously owned that is a game that i am in for uh right now i don't know if i've mentioned that before or not but when they announced the remake of that i ordered it on day one um and just the last couple days the first delivery batch which is rumored to be 20 or 22 machines those individuals have gotten their invoices from coin taker here in the united states and that means that they are ready to pay for it, have their game shipped very very soon um Although I suspect they are coming on a container by boat, it's probably going to take several weeks still at this point. But that's the first batch. Apparently, I am in the second batch because I did not get my final invoice yet, um, which doesn't totally surprise me because I didn't uh, have access to a computer I could use to order from until I left school that day. So it was up for a few hours before I was able to make my order. But it should be coming here. I'm on the quarter one batch delivery, which is already basically being missed. But that was to be expected. Um the video that was put out there of the unboxing and the setup, the guy had some initial sound issues. Penwell Brothers reached out and let him know that they suspected he just had two connectors swapped between his right speaker, but it was in the sub. And it turned out they were right. All he had to do was undo and then put the two connectors back in the right places, and he had his sound back. So that part was good to see that there was customer support and his game looks to be playing well. Um, I know a gentleman in France, not that individual, <laughs> who made the unboxing videos, also got his. And he'd posted some stuff, and I went full Facebook stalker and creep mode on him. And I messaged the guy, friended him, uh, sent him a friend request, and he's like, why are you friend requesting me? And I let him know I saw that he had gotten the alien pinball machine, and I was also someone who ordered it, and I just kind of wanted to get his impressions of it. you know. And he was like, oh, no problem, that totally makes sense. And he let me know that he was really happy with it and that it was playing really well, uh, but the software has some bugs that need to be worked out, which I think we saw. If you watch a little bit of the gameplay in the unboxing video, see that guy's having some issues here and there. But that is to kind of be expected as they have ported it over to a, a lot of new hardware and stuff. So getting everything to work together, I'm sure it's not an easy task. But it seems like it's going to have support and be out there. So in the coming months, I, I should have an alien machine. Um, I said I'd be lucky if I ordered, because I ordered in December of last year, if I got it by next December. Um, I think I might actually get it before that. But if I don't, no big deal. It's out there, and I'm excited that it will be coming that game. It is one of the more fun games that I've had over the last several years. Really, really enjoyed the rule set on it. Um, that game and how much fun I had playing on that rule set is largely what steered me towards getting uh, Hot Wheels because I know there's some of the same people involved with the coding process on that machine. 
uh, Joel Schober, and I really uh, have enjoyed both of them. So he seems to design a rule set that really appeals to me, and I appreciate that. Looking forward to playing that some more. Uh, other rumors that have been out there, like I said, were Godzilla and Back to the Future for Stern. I do believe those are both future titles that are probably going to make their way through Stern's assembly line in this coming year. Hopefully the rumors are true that it is Toho Godzilla and that uh, it has Keith Elwin on design. And we all know that I'm an Elwin fanboy and I will love those games. So I would expect uh, that to happen and me to most likely want one. Uh, what else we got out there? Oh, Pin Clash. Uh, Carl D'Angelo, the hero of competitive pinball for 2020 and so far in 2021, has been running Pin Clash. He did it on Jurassic Park last year, and now this current year is on Avengers. The qualifying mode for this one has been the Battle Royal Challenge. And instead of going on time or score like we did for the Jurassic Park one, we are now going on flip counts. I have uh, I made one day of uh, qualifying attempts. I spent uh, roughly 20 minutes qualifying. I played four games, I think it was, and on my fourth game I qualified with 22 flips, which at the current time was second place. I have since dropped down to 10th place, but the top 24 qualify for the finals, which are June 12th, so six weeks away. Uh, the reason being, Carl puts together an amazing video package of interviews with the participants, um, video tutorials on the game and how to complete all the challenges that we'll be doing in a face-to-face stream-to-stream head battle and on the website if you go to pinclashtourney.com it has the current standings it has what the tier one two three four and five challenges will be uh, the points you are awarded for them for completing them in a certain amount of time for the head-to-head battle that takes place at the end of this tournament so right now I would say I am certainly safely qualified with uh, 10th place um i don't think i'm gonna set up my stream and try to qualify again because it's a stressful uh way to do it and i got really lucky really quickly when i did try the first time and i don't really want to go through that process again i do need to play avengers some more so i can study these actual challenges because uh, i'm still not super familiar with that game i will say the the 1.0 and 1.01 code updates on that game really made it feel uh complete to me and fun i would still rank uh, avengers at the bottom of the elwin machines i think that Jurassic park is my favorite i think that uh iron maiden shoots the best and i think that avengers is just a little too complex to where it takes away some of the fun aspect for me but i really like the shots on the game um has great flow to it you can get into really heavy combo streaks uh, a lot of fun so Anyway, Pin Clash is going on. I am currently qualified. The finals are June 12th at 3 p.m. Eastern, which I think is a Saturday. So I don't. I got to see if I can even play in the finals. If I do qualify, um, I might have to drop out. We'll see here how that would work. And uh, right now the cutoff line is 34 flips. It's been really, really impressive to see the cut line moving up and up as people have continued to attempt to qualify for this. So if you haven't played uh, Battle Royale yet on Avengers, give it a shot. It keeps track of your time, your flips, and your score, which is all really kind of a neat combination. uh, And it's another fun way to play some pinball, which I'm always looking for a new and fun way to play some pinball. Uh, I think that's about all I got for you right now. I can't really think of anything else. I'll try to record uh, once we get this announcement from Stern on whatever it is that is coming. And 
oh wow it's reading just reading a message i got it's uh definitely uh mandalorian that's coming next it looks like so it's definitely gonna be out there and uh <laughs> yeah we'll expect to see that here in the near future but as always guys go out play pinball have fun uh, thank you for tuning in. I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope 2021 is going a little better for everyone than 2020 did. I've got one month of school left from today, and I'm very ready for summer vacation. Uh, hoping to do some restorations over the summer and enjoy some time off, as this has been an incredibly stressful school year for me. Um, been busy at the bar working like always, and then keeping up with my games on location as well. So. Thanks for listening, guys. I missed everyone. Happy to be back. Uh, Bug Taylor a little bit. I'd love to record with him again. I miss Taylor. Uh, he's doing well as far as I know. We still communicate on a fairly regular basis. But uh, if anyone could talk him into coming back for you know an episode guest spot here or there, that'd be great. But I will be back whenever it's convenient. I feel like it. No promises on anything regular, but uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully uh, talking about the Mandalorian in the near future and uh, any other new titles that are sort of popping up. And if you guys have anything specific you want me to cover, just let me know. Happy to do so. Uh, at least share whatever it is my opinion on it. Even if it may not be the most popular at the time, I'm still happy to share it, although it's just my opinion and it's basically useless. Anyway, have a good one, guys. We'll be back. Talk to you later. Bye.